It's a good day, church. What a great time to be together. If you have your Bibles, turn with me uh, to the book of Romans. We'll be in chapter 8 this morning as we get started. I'll get set up here and, and get ready as well. Uh, it's a good day uh, to be together. If we walk through the book of Romans, we're kind of finishing up our second uh, stretch in our series as we talk about how Jesus has unforgettable. That, that the Lord has done something so great and so good that it can't be ignored, it can't be forgotten. No matter how hard we try to push it into the background, it cannot be done. And, and last week, we started Romans 8. This week, we'll finish part 2. And then after a three-week break, we start a series on Song of Solomon over the next three weeks. We'll start, we'll finish chapter 8 as we walk into our next series. And so a lot of great things. Uh, Romans chapter 8 is one of those passages of scripture that I feel like over and over and over we could camp on it and be reminded of the work of Christ, what he's done for us and what he has plans for us. And as we are in our family in a time of memory and linking back with graduations and all kinds of things happening, it really hits me differently that we can't move forward with Christ Jesus and leave behind what he's done. Because when we do that, we forget the value and the depth of that journey. Uh, this week, we've had the privilege of going to four different graduation services and however many graduation parties. And the conversations we've had with parents at each one, the times that we've thought, is what makes that day so amazing was not only what's in front of our students, but the work, the joy, and the journey of unbelievableness. I sat and watched a young man give a valedictorian address yesterday and remember being his fifth grade soccer coach and talking with his dad uh, at the, the ceremony, just remembering how God started forming those relationships even back then. And we got to see the influence in their life. And so tomorrow for our kids, I'm super excited about what's in front of our children. But what made today so valuable was remembering all that went into it proved that we valued tomorrow more than just yesterday. And a lot of folks have asked, have you started crying yet? As you know, every now and then I can get emotional, not often, but just randomly, and do that. And, uh, and it's been a beautiful time. Christian and I were laying in bed last night, and I said, I am so glad we love each other because I think we're really going to be empty nesters. Like, I think it's going to happen. And as we're doing that, it's, it's just been this flood of excitement and joy and this reality setting in of God's plan unfolding. And that's what Romans 8 really lays out for us, this unfolding, beautiful plan. And so I don't want to hit chapter uh, 8, verse 12 without going back to verse 1 and doing a little recap. So in your Bible, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, this is where we're going to be. If you weren't with us last week, we're going to do a speed drill to catch you up. If you were with us last week, I'm sure you memorized the sermon and it hasn't left your heart and mind since. But just in case, this is what the Bible says. Uh, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? And last week we talked about was that word condemnation really means penalty, right? It really, really means something bad awaiting for you. Judgment, critique, criticism, harshness. And what scripture says is that doesn't have a place in your future if. 
And that if is what we're going to focus on today because it makes everything else so valuable following afterwards. If or for those in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say there is no condemnation waiting for those who know about Christ Jesus. Right? Who, who hold, we talked about the bat, the law in their hands, but refuse to yield it to their king. It doesn't say there's no condemnation for those made in the image of the Lord God, our Father in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say that. It's not that, it's not that broad. What it says is there's no condemnation waiting those who are in Christ. Not tasted Christ Jesus, you follow me? Not that go to church and heard about Christ Jesus. Those who are in Christ Jesus. And the beauty of that and the power of that really makes it all potent because the word in is a preposition, right? I didn't do great in grammar. Me and English were not friends growing up. It's a great joke on my life that I speak now every week because if you read my notes, like our sound people have to read, God bless you all. They're really poor. Like I would not pass high school today, but this is what I know. That in, in Greek and in English, is a preposition of location, right? So it tells someone where you are. Right now, you are in the sanctuary. You're not here in spirit. That's not real, right? You're here in spirit, truth, and physicality. That's real, right? You can't say, well, in spirit, I'm eating a donut uh, across the street right now. Your spirit must be really thin. I don't know how that works, right? Because you're not located there. You're here. One day, you will be in eternity, in the new earth with Jesus Christ. That's a real place. You will actually be located there. And so what the Bible says here is, there's no condemnation for those who are preposition of location in Christ Jesus. And we kind of say, what does that mean? Well, instead of me articulating it to you, let's go to the words of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 15, verse 4 through 11. It'll be on the screens, but you can mark it down or flip there with you as well. This is what Jesus says. And I want you to count how many times you hear that preposition of location. All right? The Bible, recording the words of our Lord, say this. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, it is he who bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branch is gathered, and they're thrown into the fire, and they're burned. Verse 7, But if you abide in me, and my words in you, to ask, what, ask whatever you wish, and, and it'll be done for you. For my Father is, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love, if you keep my commandments, and you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. There's a lot of in going on. Did you hear that in that part of it? It ties very perfectly into what Paul says. I mean, right, inspired by the Spirit of God, you're going to see agreement, right? That's why Scripture works, because although the many people penned it in ink, one spirit dictated it, right? One spirit wrote it. So there'll be agreement. Even if we don't understand it yet, there's agreement in that. 
And what, what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, the first 11, 12 verses, is this. Is that you, right, with the law, you struck out. You weakened the law because you're, you're imperfect. But Jesus Christ took the law in his hands and he obeyed the commands of God at every turn. He hit a home run every time the law was proven not to be weak. But it just needed to be in the hands who wasn't weak also. And so when Jesus speaks these words in the garden, what he's saying is every time the law is in my hands, I proved God right. I proved obedience to God is where life is. I, I proved that. I bore that fruit. And my father's pleasure was evident with me. And here's what he said. I'm not here just to take you to the batting cages and model it for you. That's not what I did with the law. I didn't just take the bat, hit a home run, and say, now it's your turn. He says, you can't do it. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you're not located in me, in obedience, in a right relationship, in me, then you're not going to ever hit a home run. You're never going to be right with the Lord. No matter how many notes you take, even if you memorize the entirety of Scripture, because you won't produce the fruit. Because God does the producing, and you bear. The, you just show it off. Isn't that awesome? All, that's our job, is to show off the fruit of God, to be on display. Hey, listen, if anyone wanted to loan me like 47 different Teslas, I'll drive your car every week and prove you've got a lot of money, right? Not really. But, but see, I, it's not about us possessing it. It's about Jesus doing it and us just showing off how rich, how grand, and how wonderful our Father is. And just in case you think that leads to prosperity gospel, you'll hear differently in just a minute. Because the reality is, is that it's in Christ or outside of Christ, we prove that. And we started to look at how do we, we prove that, and it's a different thing. We love missions around this place. One, because every church is a mission. We are a local mission. Amen? You follow that? But we are called to be a part of churches all over the world. And so we've got folks heading off to Greece to help missionaries. We're going to be sending a crew to Costa Rica soon. We're going to do some North American missions soon. We've got some local stuff happening. It's in there. And I love missions. But this year, something happened. And, and God had to do some proving in my life. All right? I want to show you a picture up here on the screen. All right? I took this uh, screenshot about three or four days ago. Let's see if it can get up there for us. It feels like Jeopardy just a little bit, and I'm losing. Good. Well, it will come up eventually. I have full faith in that. Um, but over the past two weeks, my daughter Ashley has been in South Africa. Uh, and, and listen, when I've gone on mission my whole life, I've just gone with this desire to just take over the world. Like, God, however you want to use me, whatever you want to do for me, however that works in my life. Here it is. However that works in my life, I'm in. But I want you to see, me and Connor up there, that's us. And down there at the bottom, 9,208 miles away was Ashley. That's the furthest she's ever been away from me, right? And, and let me tell you something. My heart race is different 
when her little picture was in South Africa and mine was in the United States than it does when it's reversed. You follow me, parents? You on that a little bit? Hey, you put me in South Africa, something happens. Lord, when, the day I die is going to be a good day for me. You know, hopefully you're a little sad, but other than that, it's going to be a great day. And the day my daughter goes to be with the Lord, it's going to be a good day for her, but it would be a bad day for me for a few minutes. So my heart beat a little differently. It hurt a little differently. And in my prayers, it was, God, she is yours. I've always given her to you. And he's like, I know, and now we're proving it. Now, now you're, you're proving that she belongs to me. And it's life-changing, and it's good, and I know it to be true. But God says, hey, is she mine? Are you mine? Do you believe what you're selling? Or are you not really in me? You just like me a whole lot. See, that's what that first verse looks like. Because in Christ, there's this wooing. It draws us to him. And when we're in the middle of that wooing, that spiritual current, it's alive and it's thrilling. But when we step out, there's something about this safety, calm, worldly lullaby that, that makes our heart grow tired and complacent. And Paul says, listen, there is no condemnation, not for those who are sitting on the riverbed, not for those who are having a picnic on the bank, but those who are in Christ Jesus. And church, it will be proven. When you're in Christ Jesus, it'll be proven because it'll keep bearing fruit. You'll keep seeing life. You'll keep seeing that growth happen because it's the promise of Jesus. And that's that foundation for verse 12, all right? So Romans chapter 8, verse 12. Go look in your Bible with me. We read verse 12, verse 13, and verse 14. This is what it says. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you will put to death deeds of the body, then you live. Verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, here's what I want you to know. When we are in Christ, that, that this going, this being in Him, is not optional. Right? This is why, this is why I'm not going to fail this test of, of saying, God, sincerely, if when my child goes on the other side of the world and the worst thing happens to her while she is serving you, you are still glorified and worth it. I, I, I am that far in. God, if, if you take away everything I have, what you have given me will produce fruit that brings you glory because I'm showing off what you do, who you are not me and the joy of that fruit in good time and bad makes me a debtor and here's the beauty of this it makes me a debtor to life not to death that's what paul says he says while all this is going on because what jesus has done for you and given you a life eternal not having condemnation then you have a debt. And we have destroyed that word. We have literally destroyed the word debt in our country. Do you know, if you talk to people around the world, like it's, people are envious. 
that the United States can keep printing money and it doesn't cause ridiculous inflation. Do you know no other country in the world gets to do this but us? And, and what we've done is we've said our debts, they don't exist. Or, or we just, just say, hey, listen, you don't have to pay a debt. Don't need to pay a school loan, it's okay. Don't want to pay a credit card, it's okay. Christy and I used to laugh. We had an argument one day. It was an eye-opening thing for me. We, we had just bought a, a car. Someone wrecked ours. I won't tell you who it was, but Christy's never been in an accident except with me. And we got a credit card that said 0% interest on it. Just transfer any balance onto it. And I said, let's transfer the car note onto that credit card. That's awesome. And Christy said, that makes me anxious. That scares me. That worries me. I said, why in the world does it worry you? She's like, well, if something happens and we have to sell the truck, we can pay off the debt with the truck. Like, we, they can just take it from us and they can have it back. And I said, Yeah. But if we put the truck on the credit card, it's unsecured debt. Like, party foul on you guys for trusting us. Yeah. Welcome to your pastor at 24, right? Gosh. Scripture says a wicked man doesn't repay his debt. Because a debt, the word means a moral obligation to follow through. Here's what Paul says. You and I, in Christ Jesus, are obligated. It's not optional. There's no law. There's no unsecured debt. Your debt has been secured by the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you think that's valueless, then maybe you're not in Christ as much as you think. Because you're obligated to him now and what paul says is here's the beautiful thing look in verse 13 verse 12 for we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh you and i outside of jesus christ you are obligated to be offensive to the lord you're just obligated he'll bring himself glory through you guys but outside of jesus christ you are a slave to sin you are obligated to live in the debt and get the wage we talked about right the wages of sin is death. And because God is good and he is not wicked, he pays. So if you and I in our sin have earned death, then God is obligated by his own character to say, here you go. But he made a way. So that you and I don't have to be obligated to the sins of our past, to the consequences of our life, that we instead can live anew in Christ Jesus, but we are still obligated. We are still a debtor. But we are a debtor to life. Look what Paul says in verse 12 and 13. It says this way. Excuse me, 13 and 14. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if you live by the Spirit, you'll put to death the deeds of the body. Then you'll live. You who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Church, just, just pull back on that just for a minute. You are a debtor to live for Jesus Christ. There's no buts, there's no maybes, there's no ahas. You and I are a debtor to live to him. In verse 13, that word 
to live means present living day in and day out right here right now tomorrow as you pull out someone cuts you off and it and it gets you upset your your children go home and they forgot to do x before you came to church how you react what you say how you speak to your spouse how you go to work you are a debtor to live for the glory of jesus christ which means the pain of sin doesn't have to rule over you in any of those situations my journal i was reading about the portrayal of jesus christ this week in matthew chapter 26 and jesus is is doing this and he said one of you will betray me and judas asks this question he said lord will it be me it's not me is it and i wrote next to verse 25 lord how often my heart knows the truth but my lips pretend that it still needs clarity. How often my heart knows the truth. I'm not living in you. I'm not turning my life over to you. But my lips need clarity. Like, God, what do I still need to do? Are you living in Jesus Christ? If Jesus said, I have proven... I have proven myself worthy to please the Father and all who are in me are pleasing to the Father because of me, then what do I need to do? You need to live in Jesus. You need to abide in Christ Jesus. And, and, and Paul would say as he walks through this, kind of this whole picture of how to do that. I mean, Scripture's full of examples. In our church, in our small groups, we talk about it three ways. The word, Bible study, memorization, hiding God's word in our heart so that we might live it out. Biblical fellowship and serving and encouraging and esteeming and strengthening the body. And then prayer, intentional communion and submission to God. I would tell you, look around your life. If you want to live in Christ, it's going to fall into some of those funnels. Because they're focused on being planted and grounded in Christ, living, being presently and active. That's where Paul would write in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11, about the people who don't inherit the kingdom of heaven. Why don't they inherit the kingdom of heaven? Because of all of their active, embraced living. I wrote active, perpetual, and unrepentant, embraced. They prove that they're not in Christ Jesus. No matter what their lips say, no matter how much they seek clarity with their lips, their lives show, I'm not in Christ. And church, we can't let bad teaching in our life change that. There is a reality that is true. Once you are saved, you are always saved because the grip of Jesus Christ is perfect. No one can rip you from the palm of your hands. But here's what I want you to know. Salvation is not a feeling. It is not simply a moment. It is an ongoing, active, once it's began, it never stops process until you are glorified with God. You don't need to, you don't need to go back there because once you're saved, you're saved. But I think a lot of times we feel like our emotion of a moment that sprung up like a seed among the thorns that was quickly choked out or sprung up among rocks that the heat worn out, that that's salvation. That is not. What salvation is, is living 
in Christ Jesus who has taken the penalty for our sin because he was able to. And it's giving your life to him. And I'm not saying you have to be perfect, but you are being made perfect. Are you tracking with me? You follow me? And that's what Paul says. He says, listen, if you live according to the flesh, then you're proving that death still reigns in you. You're showing it off. I want you to know, Paul was a Roman citizen. He could have lived proving that his eye was on the flesh. Even in Paul's time, like he could have put all of his time into local activism because they still voted on local governments in Rome during the days of Paul. Everything could have gone into that. But here's what he said. To live is Christ. So he gave up his influence to be jailed and beaten, imprisoned, and killed for the gospel. And that's what comes next. Look in your Bible in verse 15 and on. In verse 17 should reach hold of your heart. This is what it says. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to walk back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs. And heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him. In order that we may also be glorified. This is the beautiful thing. Paul says there's something about being an heir and adopted and suffering that are a part of our family tradition. Years ago, I heard a lady say some words that changed the way I saw parenting my kids. She had a young man that was leaving uh, for, for a season of life. And she said these words, and I speak them to my children often. Don't forget who you are. And don't forget whose you are. Who you are is a part of my family. Where you go, you take our traditions, our hopes, our plans, our reputation with you. And don't forget whose you are. You're a child of the King, an heir of eternity with Jesus Christ. And everywhere you go, you carry that with you. When Paul says that you and I are heirs, he says you didn't receive the spirit of fear to fall back into slavery, but instead you can cry out, Abba, Father, because you're a child of God. Like, this is what Paul gets excited about. This is what turns his crank, and it's a big deal. Because when you see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords face to face, you will have two reactions. One, Jesus articulates in Luke chapter 23. He said, on the day of judgment, when the Lord returns, that those who are not heirs with Christ, those who do not belong to him in Christ Jesus, will prefer that the mountains fall on them and crush them than to face the fear of looking into the eyes of the King of kings and the Lord of lords and what awaits. Luke 23. Or... When you see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you will say, Daddy, Abba, Father, 
That's dramatic, church. That's big. I mean, I want you to know, I, as a pastor, it's been fun. We watch kids grow up in church, and my children have reacted different to me than everyone else's children. There are some children, unintentionally, when I wave to them, they start crying and want to go to another church. Amen? Like, if you've, if you've seen that in the hall, if I've done that to your children, I apologize. It's not intentional. It's just unknown. It's a little fearful. I'm a pretty beefy, masculine man. It happens a lot. <laughs> Why do y'all laugh so quickly right there? <laughs> but, but I get it. But let me tell you, when my daughter was in kindergarten and when she came off that plane, she never looked at me and was afraid. She always confidently, as a child, ran, as an adult, walked and embraced. Because there's confidence that she is an heir, that she has a place and a belonging. No matter where she's been, no matter what she's done, when she looks into these eyes, there's never going to be fear. If you live in Christ Jesus, when you stumble and fall, when you look up, repentance is a blessing, not a fear. When you live in Christ Jesus, when the day of your time of death on earth comes near, you don't have anything to fear because you will look into the eyes of your daddy. When you are worried and struggling and beaten down and wondering why the world is attacking you, let me tell you, you have no reason to fear because the eyes of your daddy, because you are in Christ Jesus, they welcome you to him. And that's why Jesus says, ask, seek, find, you'll, you'll have it all. There will never be a time where I don't want the best for you, where I don't have the most for you. I'll always provide what you need, even if you want something different. Hide my word in your heart. Don't sin against me. Make your delight in me, and then you'll be delighted in everything I have for you. Your heart will be full if a wicked dad knows how to give good gifts, how much more does the perfect Abba Father? Do you just hear Scripture ringing? It's like it's dripping with dew. And Paul, being beaten and bruised and destroyed, writes these words, and then he pins something that is in the midst of his life and prophetic for later on in his life and truth for us. It's why the gospel does not promise you a white picket fence and an easy life. In fact, Paul would say the opposite. Look in your Bible at verse 16, 17. And if children, then heirs, and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. Provided means if it's true to the core. If it's true to the core that you will suffer with him, that you will be with him, that you will stand with him no matter what it takes. This is Paul being stoned. This is Paul being prisoned. This is Paul being hated. It's not just Paul being oppressed. That's already happening all the time. 
This is Paul enduring things that we have never endured. The friends of his life, they've abandoned him and now they want to kill him. He says, we're heirs. In Galatians, he would write it this way, as long as we don't grow weary of doing good, but in due time when we harvest it, we don't give up. He's not saying you can lose your salvation. He's saying, is your eye on the harvest? See, here's the choice of suffering. The world lost in sin believes that what we are living in is light and the best that it gets. So why don't we just try to make the darkness as bright as possible? Because there will come a day when true darkness will set in and we will see this place no more. So let's make the most of it now because one day it'll be over. If you're in Jesus Christ, what Paul would say is this brokenness is as dark as it gets. It's only going to get brighter. The light has really come. To live is Christ, but to die is better. There will be a day when we shout and that day will make every other day look pitch black. And Paul says, are you willing to suffer the rejection of this world, the values of this world, the hit of this world? Because Jesus is your all in all. Because if Jesus is your all in all, then you are in Christ. And if you are in Christ, then there is no condemnation awaiting you. When you look into the King of Kings' eyes, he'll say, Abba, Father, how good will it be? Look in your Bible a little bit further. I love what Paul writes, and he reminds us of this brightness. Verse 19, for creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that creation itself would be set free from the bondage to corruption and death and obtain freedom to the glory of the children of God. Verse 22, for we know that the whole world, through the whole, excuse me, for we know that the whole creation has not been groaning, has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit we groan inwardly because we await eagerly the adoption of sons the redemption of our bodies for in this we hope for in this hope we are saved now hope is not now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes in what he sees but if we hope for what we do not see we wait with all patience here's what paul says our redemption in Christ Jesus is so good that the lifeless things of creation the soulless things of creation are groaning anticipating that day you see because what sin does is it, it subjected the whole world to sin death and heat and dying and wilting and withering all the world has tasted our sin. And one day when God makes all things new, creation will not groan. It will glorify. That's how good it is. 
We know this in a very silly saying of ours, right? If mama ain't happy, what? Nobody's happy. We know that the health of one person impacts the whole household. If someone, mom, not that we don't love you, but if someone as insignificant as one person can affect that many, how much more when the King of kings and Lord of lords returns and all of creation awakes? We live in a freedom given by men and women who, who gave their life to, to allow us some a hope they didn't even know existed. And others a hope that allowed them to have confidence in their serving. Their life impacted many. How much more? Church, as we remember in a time of remembering, remembering who Christ is and what he has done, and anticipating what that means for us for tomorrow, that fully captivates us. So this morning, where are you located? Are you in Christ Jesus? Or are you just flirting with him on the edges? Are you in Christ Jesus? If so, church, the suffering that we have before us, it pales in comparison to the joy that we are living for as we call in the kingdom of heaven. But if you don't know Jesus, your Lord and Savior, we have a just and a good God. And every debt that is earned, every wage he pays because he's not wicked. His desire through his son Jesus is that the day of judgment when it comes that you would look into his eyes and say, Abba, Father, Daddy. But if you can't say that right now, I invite you to turn over your life, to confess your sin, your falling short, and ask Jesus to take command of your life for today and forevermore so that you can have the confidence that Paul spoke of so that we can live changing the world by the testimony of the fruit that is born in our life. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for the day that you've given us. Lord Jesus, we praise you for the life that we have, the heart and the hope that you provided. Oh, Lord, don't let us think that what we live in is light. God, stir our hearts, stir our affection, stir our passion towards you. Lord, let no fear reside in our hearts because we are in Christ Jesus. We have been covered by his hand and by his blood. We praise you for adopting us through him as sons and daughters. And Lord, we, we pray that you would invite others and allow others to do the same. So it is through the name of Jesus Christ in whom we believe, we pray.